Hello and welcome to Unions in the UK, a podcast about unions in the UK. My name is Henry, pronouns they, them. And I'm Corey, my pronouns are she, her. And this is part two bonus electric boogaloo, the quickening (laughs) of our previous episode that we talked about uh, cultural hegemony and how that relates to the unions in the UK. This episode, we're going to be talking about how to respond to this. How, how What do we do? Um, yeah. I mean, we're going to start off talking a little bit more about, like, broader struggles and, like, how, how trade unions being subject to the, the hegemony that there is now sort of fucks up solidarity and, and ruins some of that. So we're going to talk about that first because I think it, it's important to to think about how it's not just like union issues that that this is going to mess up that unions being tied into as like large leftist organizations being tied into something that isn't necessarily good for intersectional organizing how that's a problem like so yeah um i I think you wanted to talk about uh, a very a very cool, actually incredibly cool bit of direct action that happened uh, and the response to it, right? Yeah. So I think um, I want to talk about this because it it sort of contrasts a acceptable progressive uh, movement, to like acceptable to the state, with actual action on the ground that got results and how incredibly incredibly cool results in in all regards yeah and how that how the lack of like a, a strong a strong like counterculture at the very least of like leftist uh public public comms i guess meant that it, it this event probably didn't go as far as it could have and probably didn't become as cool and good as it could have been, even as cool and good as it was. Like, a couple of years ago, like... I mean, yeah, bloody hell, a couple of it years was, ago. It, it was, like... Oh! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, every time, every time I try and talk about something, I was just like, oh, you know, it was the start... It was towards the, like, beginning of the pandemic. That was only, like, that was, like, a few months ago, right? Yeah. yeah no, that, that was, that was oh, more than two oh. years ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I was still working in a call center when when this went down. Wacky. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a whole different person thanks to the magic of estrogen now. <laughs> um, uh, we oh, are talking God. about the um, really cool toppling of the Edward Colson statue. Getting that put in the bin. Uh, is is it that or is it the BLM movement? Well, we're talking about the Edward Colson statue and, like, contrasting that moment of direct action with the broader Black Lives Matter movement. Because I think the, like, trade unions responded to those things differently. And I think that's... incredibly so. Yeah, that's interesting to me because, like, I think the... the, Like, it, it, it demonstrates what I mean when I say there are things that are acceptable in... Yeah in the culture and this is really 
really uh, demonstrative of that because toppling the Edward Coulson statue was a was a natural outgrowth of the Black Lives Matter movement in the and, UK. And, like exact, and it's at it. I was gonna say those two are so like built in together. Like surely, like if you accept that the this like what the 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 framing of the Black Lives Matter movement was that Black Lives Matter. Edward Coulson was a slave trader. Um, surely the outcome of the BLM movement should have been... Like, these two things are joint, the, the, the removal of that statue. Yeah, and, like, the, the thing is, the, the Edward Coulson statue was... The, what, it wasn't just a random act of anti-colonial violence, which, you know, I think would still probably have been justified. Yeah, we, it, very cool. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't just that. This was the culmination of a years-long campaign to get that statue removed by by uh, anti-racist activists in the area. Like they'd been asking for this statue to be gone for years. There mm-hmm. was, I believe, one member of the council who was able to consistently block it. Like, consistently block Love. anything meaningful happening. Love, that's how democracy works. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing. It's, like, this: the, the system had failed these people. Like, people had been failed. They weren't even asking for anything particularly egregious. They just wanted there to not be a statue of a guy who made all of his money selling people <laughs> as, as objects... They just didn't think that it was appropriate in this, the year of 2020 at the time. They just didn't think that that would, I completely forgot what year it was. Um, yeah. I just They just didn't think it was, you know, appropriate anymore. And that's, I think, more than fucking reasonable. Yeah, um, that makes sense. That, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the system had not allowed it, so they had to go outside of the system and and do their own system. Yeah, do do their incredibly ac- well. Do their action directly, like yeah. you know. Whoa, that's a yeah. thing, right? Wow, you um, can do that. <laughs> yeah. So, like the the broader Black Lives Matter movement was sort of embraced by the by the UK establishment as as okay yeah. as as something that was acceptable to them well it, it's an inoffensive message isn't it i mean like in, in in the grand scheme of things like saying black people's lives matter it's yeah. one that most people will respond most normal and good people will respond with yeah no shit yeah so like, there was yeah. there was actually there's a, a load of really interesting things about like as i said uh last episode uh, a whole week ago um basically when when a group of people think that they can push against a dominant standard and we saw that in the England football team taking the knee in in support of black lives matter of the broader black lives matter movement and there were a bunch of people who didn't think that was okay because they didn't feel they were showing appropriate deference to the state but the footballers had all the power there, and they had the support of the people who thought that the Black Lives Matter movement was acceptable and just and... Which was a lot of people. And yeah, they had the cultural hegemony on their side, so they could push against the state 
saying that act- actually it wasn't okay. In this case, epitomized by Pretty Patel saying it wasn't appropriate that they be kneeling. Pretty Patel, who at the time was uh, Home Secretary of the UK and you know An archdemon of the, the Great <laughs> British Empire. It, yeah, when you become Home Secretary, they imbue you with the spirit of every other Home Secretary, um, and you know throw some other other wankers in there for good measure. But mm. but yeah, because because the hegemony was was on their side when they were doing this, they were able to to make this this symbolic gesture, even though there were people who were upset with it and people who viewed it in the same way others may currently view not wearing a poppy not cancelling stuff because because of the queen's funeral rest in peace our madge <laughs> they they had they had the power in that situation and that's really really interesting that the black lives matter movement was was powerful enough to undo that aspect of of like the state enforcing enforcing deference to itself but that only went so far Hmm. because that's when we come to like the edward colson statue where as i say it was a natural outgrowth of that movement it was a a moment of frustration with a racist system that had denied people the opportunity to work within it to reform it so they took matters into their own hands and trade Pushed union that fucker into the ocean yeah they threw they threw him into the bay um the trade unions had been like supportive of black lives matter and things like that i don't believe that there were unions that came out and said yeah throwing colson into the sea was good you know these people were justified they had a, a reasonable and a righteous cause to throw this picture of a litter picture this statue of a literal str- slaver into literal, the sea like, a person who like held up an incredibly racist and very anti-black mo- like structure like slavery but but it's weird that they 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 drew the line because but I, I guess it comes down to oh that's 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 not the way things are done right yeah and that again that comes down to the the cultural acceptability of it the cultural hegemony the the power that that society has to enforce a specific manner in which things are done and as we've established like the the way that things are done didn't work in this <laughs> yeah, case the, yeah the way the things were done was to not in in this instance yeah. we like the slave man actually <laughs> the slaver man yeah so like the the sort of broader social movement could have could have kicked off even more something bigger could have happened had there been a a left-wing power in in the country that had been able to say no these people were correct these people were good and righteous and right and we support them had that not just been like lone voices in the wilderness and you know lenin pig poop 69 on twitter <laughs> like thank you for listening to the podcast lenin pig poop 69 <laughs> yeah um 
like and that means that like the trade union movement because it what it didn't feel able to support the people doing the very cool and good thing it meant that it was part of it not going any further and the trade union movement's been awful on race for years like mm. it's been awful on a number of like intersectional issues for for years it sometimes is very guilty of buying into the narrative of the working class is a white straight man who is there's that red, red wall voter coming yeah back again. yeah exactly it's it's that idea of the red wall voter who is a white straight guy who's racist but you know not not too overt about it and he's homophobic but you know nothing against them just don't like it just don't um, like it <laughs> don't like them around me. i don't think it's particularly clever i don't think it's particularly good i, no. I don't know i just don't i just don't like just don't like it just don't um, like him you have become north fc man yeah well i so uh, slight tangent i really like the progressive north fc man yeah i, like I think i think that's a fun little subversion in in the sort of fun way that the the uk gets to play with regional accents where um someone with a broad usually northern accent will say something incredibly progressive and incredibly incredibly cool but yeah. in a broad yorkshire accent mm. and very and like very aggressively so you think it's going to be something racist because it plays with that expectation i think that's funny yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, but I think the the basic North FC meme is bad. Uh, mm. But but I'm not here to discuss memes. I'm not doing it. I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm this not. Is a Twitter podcast. Remember, um, no. <laughs> we're, um, just to get back on track, we're talking about the trade unions uh, playing up to racist. Um, the, the idea of this racist stereotype of a worker, not ra- not ra- stereotype of a worker who is racist and white and well, it's a, it's also like it's a racist stereotype of a worker. Oh yeah, like, yeah. The, well, because it the working that they're cla- not black. Yeah, like, the working the working classes the working class is overwhelmingly not white and not yeah, yeah, not yeah. male in this country. D- um, disproportionately so. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. like, I think you, you can like look back. Like, there's a really famous strike in the seventies uh, called the Grunwick dispute, which was sort of like. Uh, a, a point where this this really came to the fore in like trade union activism and how failure to take into account these like broader social movements and just to do class reductionism uh, based on your warped idea of what working class is. Shout out to how it, Star. How it sorry <laughs> how it fucks up solidarity and. And, uh, yeah, the government dispute was a bunch of South Asian uh, women textile workers. I believe it was textiles. But um, in, like, one day they they walked out and went on strike. And through their actions, they garnered a huge, huge amount of grassroots support. Mm. Because, again, the working class is not actually like it's portrayed. It's not actually stupid and racist and overwhelmingly white male uh and bigoted like it's it's not that no matter how many times they say it it is just simply not mm. and like in the grunner dispute you see people coming together coalescing around this movement of of south south asian uh women 
who are doing really good things. They're doing a, a really important strike for for their rights. But then you see like the upper union brass um, decide that it's not a winnable strike and basically not support them. At the very least, in part, because they were women and they weren't white. And like it got to the point, like some of these women were doing a hunger strike, not outside of the place they were protesting against like as workers outside the trade union congress they did a hunger strike on the tuc because of the their refusal to support the strike which it should have been embarrassing honestly like yeah for everyone involved that i mean everyone involved that didn't do anything like yeah they they should be deeply fucking ashamed of themselves and i hope that they are i hope they went to their graves miserable if they if they're dead and i hope that if they are alive they fucking atone Mm. um but yeah so it's a really interesting thing that because like the government dispute is held up as like a a moment in which the boundary the expected boundaries of like race and class were not race and class were rather race and gender in what what trade unions were organizing for was overcome and the beginning of a sort of turning point where that's not the case anymore. Um, like I think it was like the 50th anniversary not too long ago and Labour MP Clive Lewis stood up in the House of Commons and gave a whole speech about how uh, the, the women of the Grunwick dispute are like inspirational to the trade union movement. And they are. Um, and he's not wrong there. But they, they lost that strike because... Because the top union brass only didn't want to, si- they didn't get behind them because they only want to sign off on what they think their members want, and that's where we come back to cultural hegemony, and like the lack of the workers having this, having like any sort of cultural capital, like the the actual workers having any sort of lack of cultural capital leading to a lack of solidarity because and I can about go on sorry I was just gonna say, I was just, I guess I was just gonna sort of repeat myself because again they were only doing what they thought their members want they much like the CWU calling off their strike there's no actual proof that their members wanted to call that off thought it was a good idea to call it off obviously there will be some of them that are royalists and did want to call off the strike i've seen plenty of evidence to suggest that they didn't want to call off the strike as well there yeah there are plenty who didn't and there's no way of there's no way of knowing that the only thing they could do is act on what they thought and what they thought is based on the dominant cultural narrative at the time which is that it would be disrespectful to to keep going on with this strike uh it would be it would cause the strike more harm than good to give up on a little bit of momentum now to save themselves like pissing off their members and getting slagged off in the media sorry what what were you going to say before i carried on with my little rant <laughs> uh it's probably something stupid no 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 actually um it was um like i mean i imagine one of the issues like as we discussed in not the last episode but the one before that if this is the second this is the bonus episode so <laughs> come on brain come on fucking brain come on come on uh we discussed that the trade union movement was well uh like kind of established in the state itself itself 
Yeah. Uh, and I imagine there's a lot of, um, I, I guess, bourgeois sentimentality um, to some of the, the higher ups who who are a bit more established and a bit more disconnected from the workers themselves. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it sort of illustrates like like these kinds of moments, the moments where strikes are called off because of because of you know the the dominance of the 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 state narrative uh as opposed to like the unions being the stronger of the two, stronger of the two entities um the, the the problem is that the trade the larger trade unions see themselves effectively as part of the state they see themselves as part of the running of that and that means that they'll only go as far as asking for what the state deems okay they'll only go along with what the state deems as reasonable and that makes them less effective in moments where they're not supporting very cool and good direct action to to dismantle a racist statue they are giving up some of the power of of a truly progressive movement and going along with the state and ceding power to the state if they if the trade unions go along with these movements they can spark into something much bigger they can make something actually truly transformative if the, the trade unions are going into a into a negotiation asking for only what they think is reasonable and not what they actually want they've already argued themselves down mm. from what they need to be asking for they have pre-done that they have pre-done the work of the bourgeoisie for them um kind of to to echo what you were saying like earlier whilst we were you know chatting about planning in the podcast like that the bare minimum that they should be going in with is is asking for the workplace right like yeah that, like that, that that's the ideal that's the ideal and and they're starting like fucking miles away from that that's not even a possibility in in, in their in their minds at the moment yeah um uh just, I, I mean they, they should be asking for the earth and they are asking for uh, fucking pebbles yeah <laughs> like it's yeah it's it's like labor is entitled to all it creates is a very old left-wing saying but they've they've given up on that because they don't feel like they have the leverage to pull it off because they don't have the the cultural power to make to feel like that's an acceptable thing to ask for and that's that's the problem that they, they are less effective because they do not have this cultural power and they need to like unions and people who are interested in leftist theory whether you're involved in unions or whether you're involved in other leftist organizing you need to be thinking about these kinds of things of like like creating the situation where these things can be asked for and if they cannot be asked for they can be taken like that's that's the end goal right the end goal is to be in a situation where the the capitalist class cannot say no to you like that that's the end goal and where we're not there and it's like we're not even remotely and it's so difficult to see us getting there 
if the unions are still bound Playing to the game of the state. Exactly, they're bound to that. Um, I, I I know it's 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 a slight tangent. Did you see that tweet I sent you? You're gonna have to be far more fucking specific. Uh, sent so me so many. I, I had sent her a, a tweet uh, just before we started recording last week's episode for you all. Um, in in Beirut. <laughs> okay, so uh, this isn't about the one. Uh, this isn't about the one. This isn't the one about orcs with cocks. This is about. This is not about orcs with cocks. This is about <laughs> okay. the trade union and movements in Beirut doing some inc- incredibly cool things in the face of a lot of very not cool things. But they, I mean, like they held up a bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that actually. Could, could you imagine uh, any of our unions doing that? Not cool. Not quite sure. I don't think they're quite primed for that yet. <laughs> no, well, yeah, like, like in that, in that um, tweet that you sent me, it's they're not just holding up a bank; they're holding up a bank for money that the bank for, owes for their own money for like, their own yeah, money yeah. that the bank is refusing to pay out. Yeah. And but like, like that's, I mean, like, could really you fucking the, cool. Could you imagine if the banks in the UK refuse to give out money for the British people, uh, and what the unions would say in response to that? They wouldn't even think to to seize that money because it is theirs to uh, begin with. Like in the state that they're at at the moment, yeah. like, um, uh, so how? What do we do? <laughs> I mean, isn't that just the the question? <laughs> like, <laughs> like for for over a century, like a century and a half now, people have been asking themselves this question in a what it in, is what what is to be done? What is yeah. it to be done? What yeah. the fuck did Lenin say? <laughs> uh, Lenin did what is to be done, and That's like fun. three other guys did what is to be done. Outstanding. Like it's it's a very popular pamphlet title. Mm. Um, I did like at one point I was doing like a handover for um, a committee that I was on, and I did title it "What Is to Be Done" because I think mm. I'm very funny. Um, <laughs> did anyone click onto that? No, unfortunate. <laughs> because, because I'm just an incredible nerd. Um, so. If you're taking it in sort of like a, a Gramscian idea of like cultural hegemony is incredibly important and that'll be the thing that allows the needle to shift, which I don't think it entirely will. I think it's incredibly important that unions feel empowered by the state of the culture to take these actions and I think it's a massive driving force for them. I don't think it's the be all end all, but if you want to help create that culture to sort of see what comes of it, I think the thing that you can do as an individual is really limited by like your time and you know where you are in in life and things like that. So I think you just pick a thing. I think you just pick a thing and go with it. Um like you pick a hobby and you just infest it with with leftism. <laughs> like um, like the example we've got here in the in the show notes that you'll be able to see is the trade union football and alcohol committee who are a group of anti-fascist trade union 
based football fans who organize like um like as groups go to football matches as as like groups they organize like there's a concert in Salford of like a folk punk band like a, an anti-fascist folk punk band that's in part organized by the trade union football and alcohol committee love the idea of a load of football lads singing to folk punk no one can <laughs> sing in key and that's the point it's all wonderful but yeah the, the point is that they're doing stuff together they're doing stuff yeah. as a group as explicitly left-wing people who are i i guarantee you they are like making that group explicitly left-wing open to people and among the people that they interact with, you know, in the stands at a football game, you know, if they're next to someone and they get chatting and, you know, they're just good company to be around. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not saying, like, you go and you take Das Capital and you start reading it to people on the street. That's right, unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm saying, I'm saying be, be a cool and fun person to be around and be explicitly left-wing. Mm-hmm. be someone who is interesting to know like passionate about what you're doing and fun and uh, be explicitly left-wing go and organize a left-wing knitting knitting club go and organize a left-wing film club go and start up the socialist bike clubs again they used to have like hundreds and thousands of of people who would cycle around um england and the rest of the uk to areas of natural beauty and they'd have picnics and they would talk about socialism and be generally cool and interesting people uh keir hardy started one of them or was really influential in one of them and like uh the bike club got named after him recently the the bike club which still exists removed socialism from its charter which is lame cringe lame and bad but the thing is that this existed for a huge amount that's a while and was really is a really good thing like um organize the 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 most oppressed class the gamer and start a (laughs) uh online gaming group the specifically leftist online gaming group what is important though is it's not just your friends because your friends are already fucking raging lefties like easy (laughs) done fix that one for you but you've got to include the community. It has to be open uh, and public for for other working class people who might not be as, as clued in or e- even agree with necessarily at the moment leftist stuff. But it's the point I mean, of the, you can, the group. You can start it like in and amongst your like if you're in a trade union, organize a five aside team. Yeah, like, yeah. like, reach out to other unions in your area and see if they want to organise a five-a-side team and, you know, have, have games and stuff and then start talking to other like amateur teams and things and, and just go and be a reasonable person to be around. Oh, unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. just, uh, like... That's I am, the tricky I am, bit, right? <laughs> I am begging leftists to be normal. Um. <laughs> oh, this reminds me of the time... Um, Again, this is no shade on them. They're, they're, they're alright. They're A-OK, from what I can tell. Uh, this is where Corey re- releases the knowledge information on me. But the, <laughs> the, the Marxist Society of MMU and UOM students, 
Um, I emailed them because they wanted to ask a few questions about the strikes that were going on. Um, and their response was a wall of text. <laughs> it was <laughs> an incredibly lefty meme. And like, again, this is no shade on them. Uh, that is a problem on the left in general. Um, so ju- just just be normal. and Yeah, just like go and go and do something that you're passionate about whilst being identifiably left-wing and yeah. people will people will come over to you like that's that that's how it happens like I you, mean, you like... organize among your community and then when you're mate when you're mates with people when you're going down the pub with people and talking to them you know about about your your socialist gamers um, <laughs> rising up, the Socialist League of Legends team. Yeah, your Socialist League of Legends team, which is not the most cursed thing I can imagine. <laughs> good God! Um, like when when they're talking, you'll you'll find out stuff about people and how you can support each other. Like like if if your friends who you've met through this thing need help, that's where you start organizing like mutual aid with one another like that's when you start like if if you don't need help that's when you start like looking out to the community like um i know there's a, a again my 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 go-to example is football clubs because i know I mean, like, there that's, is a gone i was just gonna say football clubs are how it's been done largely like yeah it's like, i know there's a for i know England. there's like a concerted effort among among left-wing left-wing people interested in football to, to do these kinds of things, which is how I can draw on so many examples. But like, I know that they organize like fan supporting food banks and stuff. Like, like if, if there aren't problems in the little group that you've created, phenomenal, wonderful, great. Mm. I'm, I'm so glad for all of you, but then you can start looking out. You can start doing, well, how do we help people? How do we like, you know, I'm, I'm down for going and going and doing a can drive outside the stadium uh, you know, before a match day, I'm I'm down for you know driving a delivery to a food bank. I'm down for this, that, or the other, or, or even as like how are your neighbours doing? Like, yeah, are they doing all right? Uh, and chances are, uh, in the coming months, they won't be. Um, so, what can you do about that? How can you help them? How can you organise your football group in order to help those people? Yeah, and I think, I think the thing that I keep coming back to is that left-wing culture doesn't create itself. Hmm. It's it's not just a thing that will happen. You have to go out and do it. You have yeah. to go out yeah. and reach out to people. You have to go out and engage with the communities that you're in or create hmm. communities where you are doing something you enjoy that is not necessarily political, but you are doing it whilst being whilst be whilst being a political actor yeah and again please don't just take that as as advice to go and spout theory to your to your non-interested friends they don't care (laughs) that will alienate them do not do not tell them (laughs) 
Thanks, the time theory. the posty comes round, you should like <laughs> grab them by the wrist as tight as you can and recite the entirety of Das Kapital to them. Without breaking eye contact, yes. <laughs> Without breaking eye contact. And when yeah. they say, wow, I've been here for three hours, I've definitely been fired, you go, you know now. <laughs> you, know, you know so much about linen. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You love coats now. You you gotta love coats now. <laughs> yeah, the 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 knowledge about coats has has destroyed other valuable things in your brain, and you don't uh, want to be a postie anymore. You, <laughs> you 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 want to you want to work in a linen factory. Uh yeah, but I think I think that's sort of everything that we wanted to cover here of like sort of broader how trade union solidarity matters to broader movements and can like be a a bit of a firing point for people to like like having that solidarity can be a bit of a firing point to to make these isolated moments of direct action much bigger because they have the support that they need um and we've talked about like how lack of solidarity um has like caused problems for the trade union movement we've talked about like um, what you what you should do to go out and create create a little patch of hegemony all of your own. Mm. Um, so I think I think that's everything, and we we're at, we're about forty minutes again. We've so. accidentally did a whole other episode. I said yeah. at the start this was going to be a short one, but I lied. <laughs> we, I think we let ourselves go on a few more weird tangents like it's like there's there's several points where we just sat in silence as we lost track of our thoughts so yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll probably come to about half an hour <laughs> yeah yeah um, but yeah thank you everyone for listening it's been it's been a good bonus episode part two electric boogaloo post post neo episode on the <laughs> cultural hegemony <laughs> what the fuck am i saying um <laughs> We have social medias. Uh, you can find us on Twitter under Unions in the UK. That is all one word. And if you want to email us for whatever ungodly reason, we are Unions in the UK at gmail.com. The music used in this episode was Solidarity Forever by Intellectual Dark Wave. You can find them on Bandcamp and Instagram and YouTube where I found them originally. Download their music. It's banging. Corey, would you like any final words? Uh, nope. I got nothing. Um, <laughs> my brain is mush. I spent too long on a exercise bike today uh, because the doctor told me my heart is full of gunk. So that's and that's now nice. you are solitariat. Yeah, that's so the plan, strong, baby. Become massive massive viking woman to smash the bourgeoisie i can't even fucking say i am, I am going to lift up the the working class physically i am going physically, to to, you, you to raise them up with my powerful legs yes and with that <laughs> we'll say goodbye thank you everyone for listening goodbye um, bye <laughs>